Well, welcome those that uh, I've seen already at uh, camp. It's good to have you here. Everyone can just have a seat. It's cool. Um, and if it's your first time, it's great to have Bev Murrell back. Will, it's always good to have Bev Murrell back. World traveller. How many times do you speak this time? There have been a few. A lot. Yeah? A lot. What did you say, like two and a half thousand miles? Two and a half thousand miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. Two flat tires. Two flat tires. Did you change them? Not at the same time, no. No? No, they were dead Good Samaritans. Yeah, no, they were dead Very good. Wonderful. Welcome, everyone. And uh, tonight's going to be a special night. We're, we're obviously in this new series called Human, where we're looking at the four different elements that make us human, our mind, body, soul, spirit. Uh, and tonight the focus is mind. So we've got some experts that I'm going to introduce in just a little bit that are going to help us talk through all the things. And uh, then we're also going to open up for questions. So we're going to have a number and we might just leave it up there, live now. Uh, so if there's something burning in you that you go, you know what, I'd love to know that, uh, you can send it to that number. And then what's going to happen is they're going to forward it to me. Uh, so I, I'm not going to know who you are or where the questions come from, um, but we'll, we'll try our best to uh, answer as many questions as we can. But before we do that, just a few things that I wanted to let you know that are coming up. Uh, obviously, we've had church camp, so that's been fun. Who's, who's got a bit of sunburn and a bit of happiness on the inside? It was definitely a wonderful time, and if you didn't get there this year, make sure you get there next year. It was, it was just wonderful. But a uh, few things that are coming up that are also going to be fun. Firstly, every woman, you have your first woman calling every woman to this event. Uh, it's dinner and drinks, a social at the Cricketer's Arms. I like that. That's going to be fun. I've never been there, but I've uh, seen it. Is that just behind Derby Street there? Yeah. No? Union Street. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, yes. Uh, but that's on Thursday, the 20th of February, 7.30. It's a night out with the girls and it shall be fun. So uh, 20, 20 uh, what is it? The 20th of Feb, 20th of Feb, Leb. Ladies, write that down and uh, get along to that. Let Talk to Pastor Nay or well, I think Pastor Rach is here as well. She can maybe help you out with some more info if you need a ride, a lift or something. I'm sure we can help you out with that. Very exciting. Tomorrow night, Ash. College is starting, right? Is that right? Well, I hope so. Yes. Well, Ash will be there. He'll be there. And uh, we're starting Leadership One. And it's not too late. If you want to join in uh, with Pastor Phil, who's teaching this term and Ashley who's also going to be doing some wonderful things uh, I'm so excited actually from everything he's shared with me uh, his plan for it and really really getting into things a bit apologetics hey uh, so um, that's gonna be wonderful so if you're keen on that you can jump in tonight no problem go have a chat to Ash and say I'd like to get along tomorrow evening um, that'll be fantastic and I think it's running for like what how many weeks ten weeks so the rest of the term basically uh, eight weeks yeah so there you go. You'll finish. You'll still be able to be able to have your school holidays. And finally, men, you don't miss out either. We've got our first real men event, the seventh of March. It's at Maitland Jail. Um, so uh, some of you, some of your wives have been wanting to send you off uh, to to get locked up for some time. So now now you will have the opportunity to go and visit the jail, but also uh, kind of engage in laser tag. So we're going to be doing laser tag out at Maitland Jail, seventh of March. 5.30 to 8.30, $47, that includes a meal and everything, all of your fun, uh, and you might even yeah, get locked up and left, left there um, if your wife has organised that. 
we, we can sort that out. So that's, that's it. And a very, very cool thing. We actually have a special guest, Pastor James Rose, all the way from Melbourne, who's coming to share that uh, evening and then also on Sunday. So looking forward to having James, who's a good mate, coming to share with us. Wonderful. Okay. And also with offering, if you wanted to give your tyres tonight, you can do it electronically. Okay, so we're all electronic for PM service. So if you wanted to give, um, please go ahead and do that. You can use Tithely or direct transfer uh, if you're giving. And uh, we appreciate that very much. That keeps the house growing a building and, and uh, reaching more people. So wonderful. Anyway, enough talking from me. You definitely you want to, you've come here to hear the people. And so I want to welcome our panelists tonight. Can you please give a hand to uh, Zach, Rachel and Lynn? Come and have a seat and I'll, I'll let them introduce themselves a little bit more. Also, finally, I just saw this. If you haven't got your church calendar yet, they are there and they're free and you can take one. And so all the events I talked about tonight and every other event for the entire year is in there, as well as a lot of space for your own family calendar. So grab one of them, take them home. And then there's also all these different cards if you're wanting to find out about groups or real men or every woman or... Uh, uh, baby dedications, whatever it is, you'll find them just on all of those shelves there. And you can just go grab your specific card and all the dates will be on there. And don't you love being organised? Yes. yes, I do. Anyway, wonderful. Well, have you got your microphones? We do, yes. Very good. Have we got recorder ready? Wonderful. Thank you very much. So we're, we're obviously, we're doing this as a podcast tonight as well. So if you're here in the audience, welcome. It's great to have you here. But if you're listening online, uh, also wonderful to have you here. And um, yeah, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. And if anyone here wants to share it, go ahead and share it this coming week. And uh, I know this is going to be a wonderful time. So firstly, panel, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do during the week, because I've asked you for a good reason to be on this panel. Um, to share all of your wisdom. So, Lynn, why don't we start with you? Tell us what you do during the week. I do various things, <laughs> but the thing that's perhaps of most interest to this uh, gathering is I'm a psychologist and I'm the director of psychology at Attune Health Centres. Come on, which is booming in, in Newcastle. Isn't it the biggest kind of holistic medical centre? Or something like that? Oh, we are um, innovating care yeah. from a multidisciplinary perspective and whilst others are starting to put various practitioners under the one roof, we actually are pioneering integrative care. Right. And so the GP sitting in on the naturopath's consultation and... You know, we, we're currently working on um, five disciplines working together to give a 30-minute assessment of one client and then the practitioners gathering together from their perspective, uh, working together to formulate a plan of care and a hierarchy of needs and how from the various practitioner perspective, how we might integrate our care to create best health outcomes for the clients. It. So I understand the federal government is watching us and seeing <laughs> what's happening. That's amazing. Now, I love, love the story of Attune. Erica and Lynn were actually the first ever employees at, uh, at Attune. Um, so I don't know how many staff you got now, but um, 
It's cool. We've been a here. lot. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Lynn. Uh, Rachel. Yes. Uh, like Lynn, I've got a number of roles, but probably the one most relevant yeah. to this is I'm a clinical psychologist. And what does that mean? Uh, I tell my patients it means I love people. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of time at uni learning all about people. Yeah, you did, like 10 years or something. Yeah, yeah. 11 years. I was a Gosh. sucker for punishment. No. There you go. Um, so, yeah, I've got a heart for people. I mostly work with children and families, but I've got a number of adult patients that you know are on my caseload as well so yeah. wonderful thank you rachel and finally zach okay well um i'm a doctor at uh well i've just finished up my role here in newcastle but i have been working in the hospitals around here including uh the martyr mental health hospital for a stint last year um but also all over the place surgery medicine all sorts of things Wonderful. And you're looking to specialise in the area eyes, of yeah. eyes. Yes. Oh, which is very cool. Wonderful. Thank you, Zach, also for joining us. So obviously we've started this uh, series on called Human. And as I said, and one of the scriptures I used when I sort of started the series last Sunday morning when I talked about the soul is uh, that one out of 3 John 1, 2 where it one of Jesus' closest disciples, John, actually actually writes to a friend, and he, he it's just basically an address to start off with, but he he shares how that he desires that he would be well in his whole body as his soul also prospers. He's kind of basically saying, you know, I, I hope that the, all of you, <laughs> the the humanity of you, is well, yeah, and uh, that would include the mind, yes. And there's another scripture that we know as well out of, uh, what is it, 2 Timothy 1.7, that we, we don't have a spirit of fear, but of, of what is it, love, joy, love, there we are. I get the ones confused, and, and a sound mind. So where I wanted to kind of start with tonight is uh, what is a sound mind? Like, you, obviously, if God wants us to prosper and have a sound mind, what is a sound mind? What, what would that look like if we were trying to obtain a sound mind? Yeah, I thought that was a, a fundamental question. I think we all have our own idea of what a sound mind might be. And uh, perhaps we all have a different idea of what a sound mind is. And so I thought about this um, knowing that um, I was on the panel. And so I, I thought perhaps I could give you a little rundown on what I think a sound mind is and what it looks like. I think a sound mind is the ability to s discern between truth and a lie, scripturally speaking. Mm. I think it is the ability to reason. I think it is choosing behaviours that are consistent with scripture, the ability to do that, and being convinced that scripture is accurate and living like that is so. I think it's important to have perceptions that are accurate, and I know that's a loaded term, but really what I mean to say there is that we can correctly estimate the relative value of things and of concepts that we don't exaggerate communications between the divine and ourselves to mean that man himself is the centre of things. I think that's error and not sound. Mm. Um, that all things are for his good. Sometimes we might think that we are God's favourite. I'm not sure that that's uh, scripturally accurate either. 
A sound a person with a sound mind is a person who doesn't despise human authority, but will be found in their faith, in the truth of scripture, not in traditions of man, that they're not given to superstition by ascribing meaning to objects. Uh, I do have some work on what uh, it means uh, from a Greek perspective, but we've just been saying that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So what does that mean? He has given you a mind that has been delivered, it has been rescued, it has been revived, it's been salvaged, it's protected, and it's brought into a place of safety and security so that it's no longer affected by illogical, unfounded and absurd thoughts. We can agree with scripture. Nice. You started right at the beginning there. What was that first part, the discerning between truth? truth and, and the lie, lies. scripturally speaking, yes. Yeah, which, which is, I, I think, such a real thing. What, what, how do you see, even, I know, Rachel, you're, for instance, uh, you've been a Christian, what, like two Just years? Two years. Two Just years. over two years. Just yeah. over two years, but have done all this training, focusing, learning about the mind, and um, then coming in and understanding the truth of the Word of God, like, like Lena's talking about. What, what kind of, how, how has that affected even you in practice now uh, with helping people? How, oh, what, so what, how does truth play a part? Uh, truth is, like, when I think of uh, being mentally sound, really the first thing that comes to mind is truth. Um, and it's interesting because we live in a world or in the secular world, truth is almost a bit of a swear word, you know, yeah. that, that there is no truth in the postmodern world. Mm. Um, but truth really underpins having a sound mind. And that's even just in clinical practice. So when we're assessing someone, we're often assessing their capacity to test reality. You know, are their thoughts grounded in reality? Um, are their thoughts distorted? So, for example, you know, someone having a psychotic episode cannot tell the difference between sounds that are happening in the space and sounds that are happening in their mind. And yeah. that's a hugely distressing uh, position to be in. But the same goes for someone who, you know, might be experiencing anxiety or depression. Their thoughts are becoming really distorted. So they're overestimating negative events that might happen to them. They're inaccurately reading the minds of other people, which is affecting them. And I think in the literature we've identified about 22 main cognitive distortions, which yeah. is this idea that our thoughts aren't really grounded in reality. Um, so truth wow. becomes a massive thing. But I think I find it really difficult to completely separate our mind from our hearts because I think there's also this truth in our heart. There's the truth of where our heart's at yeah. and the truth of where other people's heart's at. And having a sound mind, I think, is also having a capacity to accurately, truthfully and authentically assess and label what's going on in us yeah. and what's going on in other people and let that dictate the way we behave. Right. Yeah. Because it is, I know that in myself when I'm, it, it might be a circumstance that happens and it's so easy that I can sort of spiral down assumptions or possibilities 
presumption, all of these different emotions, and then suddenly truth is really hard to grasp. Uh, and it can be something so simple, but your, your thoughts can end up going sideways quite quickly. And, and like you said at the beginning, as of what you were saying there is, uh, we're, we're in this postmodern world where uh, truth is uh, relative from wherever your position might be. And so are you finding that difficult in practice now to kind of, because you, you can step on toes any which way you look, right, as to what truth might be. How do you, how do you manage that then uh, as a Christian with, with leading people to truth? Mm. Uh, delicately. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, I personally in my clinical practice distill it right down to the fundamental truth of people's worth and that they are worthy of love and belonging and they may be coming to me in a major crisis and from a Christian perspective I can see that for them living without moral truth is leading them into behaviours that are damaging to them but rather than inundating them with some kind of moral, you know, lecture, I use the process of the relationship I have with them to show them that they are worthy of love and belonging irrespective of what they might be doing. Mm. And through that process and through that therapeutic relationship, actually restoring them into a different place because when we're coming from a place of worth... And we're coming from a place of being worthy of connection we start to shift in the way wow. we operate so for me it's I, I don't go into a lecture about well what you're doing you know you know you can do that you can rationalize and look at the evidence for things and the evidence against things and start to examine thoughts but ultimately I use the therapeutic relationship to be the vessel Wow. For change. Because for me personally, and I said this last week on my message as well, is, is some of the things that make us most unique as individuals is, is, is our emotions, our, our particular perspective or, or the way that we respond to certain things. That, that's our personality, that's our makeup, which we would believe, yes, is, is God designed, right? Um, so that, that does play a huge part as starting with with worth Zach working you were working in ER or you have been yeah so yeah. in an emergency are, are you seeing an increase in sort of mental health you know issues presenting is that becoming a thing oh I've been a doctor for just over a year yeah um, so an increase is tough to gauge in I guess. one year <laughs> um, but but we certainly see a lot of it um, there you can have a shift in the ED where where every patient you pick up is a patient with who's presenting for a mental illness. Wow. And and there's obviously structural issues with that that not worth talking about here in terms of, of how we treat mental illness in the community um, or don't treat mental illness in the community, I guess. Um, but the at least amongst amongst other doctors we sort of talk about about these issues and is there's this sort of feeling in, in um, amongst ourselves that you know like in the host in the ED it's just you're just trying to get people out of the hospital right and in community in community sort of mental health care from a medical perspective you're just trying to keep people out of hospital and and 
And so it's sort of almost mental illness management rather than mental health promotion. Um, yeah, right. Which, which you know, is you know, we, we, we live in a system that that well, we live in a country which has a, a system which is paid for by dollars and cents, and we've only got certain resources. And 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 um, I think you know, there's certainly a, a greater in, like an increased focus uh, on mental illness. And whether or not that's a, a function of, of a society that's sort of more willing to look into it or, or not um, is certainly sort of up for debate. But we certainly are dealing in... We, we, whether or not we're seeing it more or whether or not it, it is happening more, we're certainly dealing with it more. More and more. With, yeah. I, I mean, definitely, even as a pastor, I would say that it... Over the years, it seems to be more and more prevalent, uh, and 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 even the ownership of oh, I've I've got a mental illness. I mean, uh, depending on what day you ask me during the week, I, I might even say that I, I have a particular mental illness. Is it normal? I mean, if we're if we're now fallen as human beings, we're broken somewhat. We're not perfect. Is it normal to have kind of some? mental issues, challenges, you know, in any given time. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're all broken. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a fact. Um, uh, I, guess, I guess sort of coming back to the issue of a sound mind, um, it's really interesting uh, if you look sort of historically at, at, at the way we conceptualise a person, um, sort of... Jewish, uh, like the Jewish understanding of a person was is that was this very integrated thing. You know, your mind, your soul, your body were all the one thing. Operate together. Exactly, exactly. Um, and it was it was the Stoics, the Greek Stoics, who who sort of separated mind and body into two separate entities. And and um, I guess modern culture, like like our Western world, is 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 the product of the two the two traditions, you know, we've got the Judeo-Christian tradition that, that tells us one thing and then we've got the Greek tradition that is also filtered through. And so, but we're left with this um, in, in sort of contemporary society where almost our bodies are seen as this walking um, mind carriers, you know, like we're sort of, we're actually, a, we're a mind in, inside a, a shell, which more and more, I mean, with, you know, the advances in medicine, we know that's just fundamentally not true. We know that the, 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 Funnily enough, the the Jewish way of seeing it, which you know has been around for what four thousand, six thousand years, is correct. You know, like the the brain is a, like is a structure. You know, yeah, our muscles are a structure, and and the brain is a structure, and and the things that it's doing result in in our mind. So where John was saying that yep. we should, you know, I pray that you would prosper in all things. Yep. Uh, that's even a Jewish kind of posture, yeah. possibly. Um, but but again, it, it, is it normal for us? I'm asking for myself and everyone here and our listeners. But yeah. is it normal to have kind of some mental, emotional issues? Absolutely. And, and what, Absolutely. You know. And I think. Um, Does that mean I then need to be medicated? Not necessarily. No, thank and I you, think Dr. Rachel. <laughs> I mean, you specifically. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about it later. Yeah. I think. Um, there is definitely an increase in the prevalence of mental health disorders. 
there's also an increase in the number of mental health disorders that you can have. I think you know the DSM five has over two hundred and ninety diagnoses that you Whoa. are available. Um, but I think to that's a lot of things in one yeah, person. Yeah, there's all sorts yeah. of things, and I'm sure I've met diagnostic like criteria for a number. Then? Is that <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think too, we you know in the secular world we're not really linked to a deep uh, philosophy or ideology that gives purpose to suffering, and so we go around going, well, I'm feeling crap, and I don't know why because I should feel good. I've got a fast car. I've got you know drinking water coming out of my tap. I've got all of these things in the material sense. Um, why aren't I feeling good? And that the pursuit is of feeling good. And so when we don't have a belief system or an ideology that gives purpose to suffering, which is inescapable in the human experience, mm. we will all suffer in some way, there is a tendency to over-pathologise that and right. to give it a, a name that is a disorder when in actual fact you're going through a season that you're very anxious, yeah. you know, you're, you're very... So we see, we see that with okay, grief too, don't we? You know, um, you know, grief, complex grief, now it's pathologised. Well, somebody dear to you died. It's okay to be sad. It's okay not to function as well as you might. And so we've come really full circle. I it, think. It, it is so challenging, particularly again with social media and everything. You seeing a perfect picture placed in front of you, and so you're trying to achieve a ten, whereas you know operating at a seven most days would be good. Well, it's our belief, isn't it, that I yeah. should be happy all the time. I should have an amazing yeah. life, like I see on social media. I should have all these things that I want, whereas. You know, going back 100 years ago, that wasn't even a thought. Yeah, that's right. It was about... We, we find on the globe the people with the simplest life, generally speaking, tend to be happier than people who have a lot of choices and a lot of things placed in front of them. You know, when we need to eat and we can kill a cow and we've got food, we're happy. But suddenly now we have these... Uh, especially you social media. You have to kill media. the best cow, you know. The best cow. A better yeah. cow than your cow. Exactly. <laughs> My cow's got the right colour. Or, you know, or you're right. Fur. You're impossible burger now or you're, you're vegan. Oh, no, mine was grass-fed. What was yours? Great. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Oh, so thing. you can see that there's an <laughs> argument that there presents is, a lot of itself when perhaps it need not be there. And so society has become a lot more complex than it was even when I was a child. It's a lot more complex So, So if you, your mind's prospering at a seven, you're probably okay. That might be the normal realm. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think too, if, if our – what we're pursuing is happiness in feeling pleasure, we're also kind of uh, very – setting ourselves up for disappointment. Um, but I think – what we fail to recognise is that deep joy and deep sense of purpose is actually born of vulnerability. Mm. That we experience victory because 
we so have walked right. through so something you, challenging. You know pleasure when you know pain. That's yeah, and I know it's sort of a cliche, but that's cold, that's hot. Yeah, that's right. Jesus rose again after yeah. he spent a long time in the pits of hell. Right. And you know, victory comes from being willing to walk through very difficult terrain in order to be able to ri- arrive at something that is deep to it's the willingness you know, our to suffer and our core. isn't That's it exactly right am i willing to suffer to develop as a person no we find a lot now people are jumping up and down and demanding to be a better person or that the world their context their environment uh, change yeah. for them so that they can flourish so it's not about our own responsibility now we blame society, our environment, you mm. or you or you who aren't being the best brother and sister that I can have or, you know, Mary stole my teaspoon when I was five and therefore I suffer. But, you know, it's this willingness to suffer, mm. to have gain, to learn character and, and to make okay. sacrifice uh, for a greater purpose. And... I think it was um, Dr. Grant wrote a very good book called The Way of the Wound. And it talks about how woundedness is a gift. Right. Because typically, again, you feel this pressure. You want to hide your suffering uh, because you don't want suffering. Or you sometimes, I'm speaking for myself here, everyone, but you almost want to hide it even from yourself. So this difficult moment no no i'm fine i'm fine yeah. it's fine it's fine but you but that comes back to you know the truth emotion the somewhere, you know, doesn't it? Y- that, y- yeah if you can't if you can't be truthful with yourself mm. about what you're going through um and mm. truthful with the people you know that that you share your life with mm. i mean that like, obviously we're still going to go hey how's your day going or how are you doing and you're going to say yeah great despite yeah. everything um but but when when the people closest to you and, and, and you can't even say that to yourself when you can't even sort of open up and go, you know what, I've got issues I need to deal with mm. or I've got, I've got situations that, that aren't right. Um, then possi- that's kind of where we get into trouble, you know. Because possibly even as a Christian, it's even more pressure in that way. Uh, because you, you, you right. can... Yes. Well, yes. Well, you because we've got this word I, here, haven't I we? Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't be unwell because mm. I've got faith and God's mm. going to make all right. things yeah. good. And because so if I'm a person of faith, everything yeah. needs to go well. And I've said for years and years something really quite controversial but that I still believe is true, that we are the masters of our own deception. Yes, yeah. yes. We deceive ourselves incredibly, even in that statement so you, you just you, made. So you lose some self-awareness of what's actually going on. Well, we manipulate. Our awareness, perhaps. Our manipulate we manipulate our, our situation, our reality to fit what we believe should be, perhaps, or what we want. So what, what should we do? Okay, so here's the question for me. Is what do we do then to expose what is going on inside of us? Sometimes it's hard to put a finger on. Is it the circumstance or is it the emotion that led to the circumstance, and you know, so chicken and the egg, or was much. How do we come to a place of understanding what's going on, and then what do we do with that emotion? 
Do we just say, well, I'm a Christian and so I believe that I'm saved and everything's okay and, and I'm like, you know, or, or what do we do with that? Once to find it and then deal with what becomes an awareness, you know. Yeah, I think reality. it sort of depends, I think, on what the person is experiencing, you know, whether that's anxiety or depression, low mood, you know, what it, whatever that might be. But certainly the first step is being willing to have a genuine examination of your heart and your mind and your How do thoughts. you do that, right? Well, I would say go into therapy, <laughs> find a yeah. good therapist. But can you um, ask yourself questions? I think you can and I think prayer is a really powerful thing, you know, to weaponize prayer, mm. you know, in the spiritual but... Um, also in the practical it might not have to be a therapist it might be a really good friend that you Mm. can have a conversation with and they can reflect something to you that you know accurately describes what you're going through yeah Um, but I think often the antidote it looks intuitively like the poison and Mm. so we avoid it yeah, exactly. Um, so it's actually about being willing to step into something that mm. might feel dangerous, yeah. might feel really scary, yes. but in actual fact that is the antidote. So an yeah. example might be, you know, if, if I'm treating someone with anxiety, um, they may come from a trauma background, um, they are feeling you know, terrified about going into certain situations, they never go into that situation and therefore their terror around that is maintained. And so it's about helping that person to be able to regulate themselves emotionally through physical strategies, whether that's deep breathing, relaxation. Mm. I like the breathing app on my phone, actually. Yeah, okay. Um, Then uh, helping them to understand the rationale for why they need to be willing to walk into this, link that to their core values, the the things that really matter to them, and then watch them start to break through and overcome I, as they yeah. start to walk into that thing. And, and I, what you said even with, with sharing it with a friend, yeah. I just it, it's interesting. I was reading, was it in James where he says, confess your sins to one another? I'm thinking, well, why? Mm. I don't want to do that. I don't want to share my dirty laundry with, mm. with others. But there's, it's amazing just by starting with that. Like I wonder, Zach, how many people that would present with a mental illness at the hospital might might be just their, their greatest sickness might be loneliness. They've shared well, this with nobody. Certainly, certainly right? it's, it's, it's certainly the situation. I think um, you sort of said before, you know, like, is it okay? Is it normal? Um, and I think sometimes, especially in the church, sometimes we have this sort of, we almost attach like a moral significance to mental illness mm. that, that we don't attach to, to other illnesses. You know, like, right. you've got high blood pressure, that's fine. You know, you've got you've had a heart attack well you're good now so that's sweet yeah um oh but you've got depression so well or you know we have to you know bible thump that out of you (laughs) um um and i i think i think it's not not that any illness is normal or okay but you're not a bad person because because you're suffering with with an illness of your body or your mind or um, I think so. I think you know, like 
as as part of you know being good friends, you know, ex- being willing to lend an ear and, and not immediately jump down someone's throat yeah. with sort of... Yeah. To fix it, right? Exactly, exactly. Just let them talk, in other words. Definitely. That can be a wonderful start, right? I think something that we haven't raised um, at the moment is the relationship between thoughts and emotions. Mm. You know, we were talking about thoughts and then we started talking about emotions. Yeah. But really... At times, those things can be linked. So, is it what I've been thinking that has created my anxiety or my down mood or my terror about tomorrow? Right. Or is it that I just feel bad, which then has prompted thoughts? Wonderful. About what yeah, might happen. It. So these two are linked. You can't have a healthy thought life yeah. and emotions that are awry. Yes. I, th- I, think they're, I think that would be quite difficult to do. So I think these two things are linked. So when we're talking about emotions, think about what might be the corresponding thoughts or the thoughts that are surrounding Mm. that emotion and if we're thinking about thoughts there is going to be a corresponding emotion that is going to occur because of the way that we're thinking so it's very important to guard your mind very good the bible talks about it as the heart but the heart and the mind are interchangeable i think in scripture i don't see a great distinction do you agree Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah the heart and the mind i think if we just make that kind of one one entity, because yeah. where is your mind really? I know you, uh, Zach, talked about it, your brain, but I was going to challenge you on that, but we popped off past that. Is the brain actually your mind? Well, we don't really know where the mind no, is, don't. do we? we I think the Bible leans towards our heart. Yeah, definitely, For some yeah. people, I would say it's definitely in their foot. Um, <laughs> I, I like this. One of the th- I shared this last week, in fact, that I have an appointment with myself every fortnight uh, where it's just me and me. Uh, and, I, and I sit down with my journal and I actually ask myself, how am I feeling? And I write it down. And then why? And, and I kind of I think of it in my head, and, and help me if this is correct now, but I, it's like finding lost keys. Like, okay, I've, I've, I have a problem right now. I don't have my keys. But I've got to retrace my steps to get back to what, where has where this emotion or thought come from? Because it's not often just the circumstance or the challenge that's before us. Would you agree? That's right, yeah. And I think, I think it's good to check in. I mean, when, now we're talking about well-being and yeah. maintenance of well-being. However, I, I will uh, offer a thought about your question of why. Yeah, okay. So let me offer you a little blanket um, idea here. Why is always the wrong question to ask. Right. Why is always Why? The, wrong que- <laughs> the wrong question to ask. I feel sad. Why? Well, I don't know. Perhaps if we reframe that question to something like, I'm just going to throw some ideas uh, around at the moment... Um, what has occurred in the last week? Has that affected me? Or, you know, asking, asking questions that are answerable because uh, why is often not answerable. 
Yeah, right. And, that's and a so that leads direct. to frustration and, and then that. we get irritated and then our mood and our mind Watch deteriorate. And research has actually shown we're actually quite inaccurate yeah. at uh, determining the reasons for why we do things yeah. or the why, why we feel things. You know, there's been a number of really interesting experiments that have demonstrated that and we'll come up with these really great explanations for why we chose that thing or why we felt that way in a certain situation, not knowing that experimentally, you know, it's been set up that you're going to choose that That's thing right. anyway That's or right. you're going to feel prompted towards something anyway. So uh. um, whilst I think what... You, that process, though, of sitting down and having a meeting with yourself yeah. and examining your thoughts and examining your feelings is really powerful, though. Mm. You know, we're now... Uh, there's this growing research looking at emotional intelligence, you know, um, and that's this ability that we have to accurately label what it is we are feeling, what other people are feeling to be able to regulate ourselves emotionally in the pursuit of something that might be challenging. Wow. Our ability to persevere through things, to delay gratification, you know, and that involves an element of self-analysis and analysis of other people's emotional experience. Wow. And underpinning that are beliefs that we hold mm about emotions themselves right. and that can really impact the way we mm. feel about ourselves. So, you know, it is that our mind and our hearts, our emotions are linked. We can't mm. really separate them. Uh, but giving value to our emotional experience is really important because that emotional intelligence can be more predict predictive of certain positive outcomes yeah. than IQ. You know, your ability to be able to relate to people, your ability to be able to regulate yourself, you know, these are really powerful things that have a powerful impact powerful on your success. I find it so fascinating that throughout Scripture, even with something like the Lord's Prayer, for instance, it, it's, I find that it's more for us than it is to God in some ways because mm. as I go through, you know, your kingdom, or, or hallowed be your name. Okay, I'm turning my uh, perspective, my focus somewhere else, and your kingdom come. Or so there's a bigger reality. Uh, forgive as I have been forgiven. All right, so that's making me aware now that, mm. oh, where do I need to offer forgiveness? Mm. And then other parts of scripture, you know, if you're anxious about anything, then submit it to the Lord in prayer. Well, that brings on an awareness. Mm. It, it's amazing yeah. how it actually empowers us through our conversation with our creator. I, I want to come back. I'm going to let these guys have a quick break so we have got some questions that I want to get to. So if you want to grab a snack very quickly, very quickly, and uh, come and join us. If you want to hit pause on the recording as well, uh, we'll be back very soon. guys have been great so thank you very much um all right this is a good one yeah uh, how do you help someone who you think may be suffering from mental illness but hasn't sought professional help so i'm assuming do you just go and tell them you've got mental issues or 
That'd be a very good approach and head off. No. Possibly not. No. Okay. I think probably the th first thing that comes to my mind is thinking of what we call in you know the therapeutic model, the Rogerian kind of method. Okay. Um, and Rogers was a, a instrumental, pivotal um, therapist who offered you know th therapeutic models. And the big things that came out of that was normalisation. Um, normalising for somebody what it is that they're going through. So that might be saying, I know other people who have described to me what it is you're experiencing. I myself have experienced that. And that's that normalising, which is the other key Very element good. of that. Yeah. That it's, you know, not that... Um, we go visit the doctor, don't yeah, we? Yeah, I've had to do that. I, yeah. And I even say that to my patients sometimes, which might not be, you know, a Rogerian thing, but I'll say, hey, you know, I've had episodes like this and that right. can be hugely comforting to people. Um, and then the big thing that we often forget is just listening. We often feel like we have to have the questions, have the I'll answers, start, right? but there's such a power in just letting someone know what it is you've heard them say, whether that's their words or the emotions that they've shared with you. Mm. Um, and maybe even say to someone, you know, I'm willing to go with you if you're really frightened about oh, wow. going and seeing a doctor yeah. or, you know, I'm willing to take that step or with you. Or posing questions sort of thing. So have you thought of seeing somebody? Yeah. Oh, what's that? That's, you know, I've gone and seen the psychologist that were helpful to me or I know a friend that's gone and seen what was really helpful for them. Oh, yeah, it's that, that normalising thing. Um, yeah, really powerful. Very good. The, one of the questions we have here, and, and it's true, we touched on it already, but social media does seem to just be a, a real issue. I don't know how many clients you guys encounter that um, have struggles with that. But what should we do with that? Should, should we be turning it off? Should we be stopping? Um, or become you Quakers, mean? you know, just, just live in a commune, no internet, no electricity. You know what I mean? Yeah. It kind of worked this weekend. We're all in the one place, just sharing food, and yeah, it was Let's good. Let's do it. Do you think so? Yeah. That'll solve everything. Everything. I've actually. Do we post that we're all having fun together, or we don't? <laughs> I don't. We'll have one dedicated social media. One dedicated. Okay. This just sounds just... good. Who's up for it? <laughs> no, this sounds weird. Sorry, Zay. It's okay. Now, what do we do? Do we turn it off? I have. Yeah. I've completely given up social media. For me, I just found it too hard not to go on it and waste heaps of time on it. Okay. And I just found I would come away from spending times on it not necessarily having, having grown or <laughs> having had a positive experience. That's just me personally. I think in terms of social media, the population I see in my clinical practice that are probably the most affected by it in a negative way way would be young people, teenagers, mm. and that's a stage of development where you already are walking around with what we call this imaginary audience. You know, you feel like everybody's watching you, everybody's judging you, and the reality is on social media you can have a thousand friends and maybe only know 20 of them and somebody posts something and it can be really, really difficult. So I think, you know, as parents... Um, it's not about banning it because whenever we ban anything, we'll yeah, you know, create more interest. To with yeah, but not certainly helping people have how do I manage it? Yeah, a healthier relationship. I mean, I'm recognizing that I've turned off right now, and I I think it's uh, for me, it's just not something that I necessarily feel helps me. So I 
I would say with anything, I mean, chocolate's probably not helpful, but um, there are some but things that nice. possibly, yeah, uh, it definitely has some medical uh, benefits. I think, Dr. Zach, you probably agree with that. But Turning off social media. But we're not talking about chocolate tonight. Uh, but po- possibly turn it off. I, I know, I, I've just taken breaks. So I think that's even the fear that you say you turn it off and that's it for forever. Well, why not take a break, right? I, I think, though, it's sort of easy for us to say, sit up here and, you know, yeah, 20s plus. Um, yeah. <laughs> plus, 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 plus. <laughs> Um, that includes d- us all. D- I mean, like, like it, it it's is very inclusive of you, plus, Yes, <laughs> thank you. Um, just to say that we can turn it off because we, we we can, but uh, I think that, that it, the biggest the biggest population that are struggling with it are certainly the teenagers, who 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 feel like that they need to be on it, and 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 of course there's the addictive quality of social media too, which. You just can't get away from, um, and I think that so it does require a level of care and caution. And but that being said, you know you ban anything and you but make it grow. I think the thing that we have to be careful with it is we feel like we're connecting, and young people that's how they're socialising and connecting. Often that's the only way. So I work with a lot of young people who you ask them what did they do over the school holidays and they spent the entire time in their room mm. and they were socialising. Right. But they didn't actually see anybody. And the quality of those interactions, we can say things through social media and we can treat one another through social media in ways that we just would not relate in the real world. And mm. I, so I think... and. You don't want to take it away because this is the only way that these young people are connecting, but quite possibly we need to look at ways in which to limit it because, like I said before, sometimes we have to step out I, I know into that we've these places. That had discussions with Jensen in the same way that he got into Snapchat and Instagram and everything, and we noticed that it was affecting him. We had a conversation where we said, do you see that this sometimes affects you in this way? Oh, yeah. Why don't you take a break for a week rather than turning it off altogether and see how you feel at the end of that. You know, and they try that. And then we had another follow-up conversation. How do you feel now? Oh, I actually feel a lot better. Yeah. Oh, so it, it, even that is, uh, I think, very helpful rather than, yeah, playing the card of you got to get off that. It's bad for you. I think we have to to expand our audience here. It's not just young people, and I know mm. it's quite popular amongst young people, but I think in particular people who are vulnerable, so they're at a new stage of life, like a new mum, might get onto social media and look to connect with a community of new mums. But I do find, and in my experience, that... The social media platform tends to warp our perspective very much. So I remember talking with our mum who wondered if there was something wrong with her because she was rejoicing putting her baby down for a nap so she'd have a little bit of time to herself. But there was something on social media that said that there was a woman lamenting how much she's going to miss her baby by putting it down for a sleep. And so this new mum was worried, what is wrong with me? Why don't I feel like that, you know? And so I think when we're at stages, at vulnerable stages in our life, stages of transition, perhaps that that 
is a, a difficult... Uh, that's when social media is going to have a big impact on us, yeah, I think. Right. So let's just think. It's not for young people, people in transition, yeah. people in a vulnerable stage of their life. I think they are open to suggestion and this is where we're getting some of these problems. So take a break, Mark, maybe, rather than trying to... Yeah, and self-evaluate on that. That's good. Getting back to the whole church thing of, of in this community where we're all perfect and very, very, very good uh, within the church also. But how do, you, how do you actually be vulnerable in that atmosphere then sometimes? Even, even here, if we're talking about social media being a platform, you know, if you bring it to church, right, you've, you're kind of newer to church. Uh, how, how do you be vulnerable? This is a question we had. And what questions can kind of, again you know, open up a moment of, of truth, of reality. Yeah, it's been interesting because I, I have come to faith older. Um, you know, the, the process through which I had a revelation of Jesus was coming into this community and being completely vulnerable, you know, going privately into prayer and being more honest and truthful to my heart than I'd ever been before, you know. Um, And really um, the process of healing that I've been through over the last couple of years in the presence of Jesus has been in the presence of overwhelming vulnerability at times. And that has been the source of my victory it's been the source of my overcoming and um you know increased revelation of god but what's been really interesting is talking and making you know friends with people in this church wonderful friends who i value beyond measure who have grown up in christian homes grown up in the church and talking to them about their experience of uh approaching vulnerability and it's been quite interesting to me how within the church and under this um, you know roof there can be reservations about being vulnerable because I'm supposed to be happy I'm supposed to be victorious I'm supposed to be all of these things because God is good you know right Um, exactly but in actual fact you know for me my testimony um, has been this is just the place to be vulnerable. This, if I'm going to be exposed yeah. anywhere, I'd love it to be here. That's right. It's um, good. And, you know, in terms of what questions can we ask, um, I think sometimes it's not so much about the, the questions but just the, the noticing, you wow. know. The, That's um, very good. You know, I've noticed yeah. that. Maybe you're seeming a little off today. Is that right? You know, and mm. and really the emphasis being more on the being the listener. You know, not not necessarily. I know for me in this space, the the people who I think the Holy Spirit has used to really allow me to have breakthroughs have been the ones who've just sat with me wow. in my grief and you know maybe even shed a tear with me, <laughs> you yeah. know. They haven't had to really ask the right questions or say the right thing or have the perfect scripture or anything. They've actually just sat with me and wow. held my hand or, you know, and then we've 
weaponized prayer and pray together and so I don't know if that so is, it really, is it really about being willing being the, willing to be with another person yeah, I no think matter how it. they are and being yeah. non, non-judgmental absolutely and just being with because often I think it's us being wanting to regulate our own distress at the other person's distress that we feel like we need to say the right thing or because we actually want to chill ourselves out because it's upsetting we empathize with them but you know I still have a memory of sitting on the lounge over there and going through just such a difficult time and Suzanne just sitting with me and she just held my hand and we just sat there and cried together and it was just she was with me in it and that was just so much healing came from that that I don't know that we necessarily have to have the answers have the right questions but rather just the willingness to sit with people and be with them that's beautiful and that's yeah I agree I mean that for me that would be moments where I would say have been most healing Mm. is actually just the listening ear Mm. Uh, that's beautiful Um, thank you Rach the th- this is a good one. Are, are we too quick in this twenty first century to diagnose people as uh, having mental illness? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I'd say so, but wow. I think in saying that though, um, there is a place for diagnosis because diagnosis informs treatment, and as researchers. We need to be able to accurately label things, identify symptoms so that we can study that and find answers. But I think when we give something a name like social anxiety disorder or major depressive disorder, it's labelling it as disordered when in actual fact... This is part of the human experience. So, yes, we probably over pathologize, mm. but you know, I think there's there's room for diagnosis. And yeah. right. I, I think sometimes we're a little bit too quick to diagnose our friends at coffee. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know. if you can get Again. friends to sit with you at coffee because we, they're too terrified that you can see through them. <laughs> so again, maybe a little bit more listening. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. That, that can't go. I, I agree with that. Um, we, we do need to finish up because the kids, I'm sure, are, are getting ready to come down. Um, so uh, with this, we had a question here just relating to the spiritual acts, but, uh, and it quotes a scripture, Matthew 12, 43, refers to the, the evil spirit leaving and the house being swept clean. But if we don't reset our minds, the spirit returns with seven more spirits. Uh this is a good kind of question, actually, because this is where it really links the spiritual and the and the mind, the thinking. But what do we do, uh, Lynn? Maybe you could answer this one. Uh, what do we do to keep ourselves free or our mind free so that uh, it doesn't create an opening for spiritual um, oppression or, you know, which which yeah, you got it. Yeah, I think um, one of the important things that we've been given as Christians is the power to choose. And I'm not sure that we always see that as powerful, but I think it's incredibly powerful. The freedom to choose what we think, the freedom to choose and adhere to a viewpoint that perhaps might not make sense to our humanness, Mm. but it's truth nonetheless. 
And, uh, you know, choosing against yourself is not always easy. Yeah. Because I think, I feel, I want uh, perhaps the unholy trinity. Um, but I think what we need to do is to make choices that we acknowledge, I think, I feel and I want, but we make choices that... Um, are different to what we think and what we feel and what we want. So if we're talking about our mind, it's about aligning with truth and truth is scripture. And in that, we are freed. In that, we are kept safe. In that, we can live abundantly despite our circumstances and any context that we find ourselves in. In that is our victory. And so... We become vulnerable when we are living according to our own wisdom. And I think we've established tonight that uh, what we think is not always an accurate, an accurate uh, perception. We will even choose something other than what is plainly in front of our face. And Ash's conformity experiment demonstrates that even though we think this line is shorter than all the others, if nobody agrees with us, we will go, we will make a choice that's contrary to what our very eyes tell us. We are not reliable witnesses <laughs> to even our own self and our own suffering and what we think and what we know. So in order to maintain our freedom and limit vulnerability in this world spiritually, and uh, within the human experience, adhering to truth and choosing truth over and above what I think and what I see and what I feel is the way to maintain safety. Wow. That's very good. Very good. Wonderful. Well, guys, we're going to wrap it up there. Can we please thank the panel who I think have shared some... Wonderful keys of wisdom. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. And uh, I might just pray for us as we go. Amen. Yeah, God, we thank you for tonight. And Lord, we, we just thank you that you have given us the ability, the freedom, Lord God, to, to take hold of the freedom, Lord, for our minds and for our whole being. And so, Lord, I pray just uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit that is the most beautiful person to help us be aware. Lord, I pray that through this week that there would be a greater awareness as we incline into you, but then also just welcome uh, the help and support of others. God, I just speak blessing upon every person that's here in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Wonderful. Well, be blessed, everyone. And uh, please